Welcome to the Calvary Podcast. Get ready to dive into an inspiring message. Our aim is to share teachings that bring transformation and hope to your life. So, open your heart, be ready to listen, and prepare for a powerful encounter with the Word. Let's get started. My message today, what I, what I believe God wants to do. Oh, let me say this. Have you noticed this is the second week we got the big lift almost in the front door? Well, I tried to think of a catchy sermon about a broken lift, but I use it as an illustration. Couldn't come up with one. Uh, it's broken. That's why it's there. We ordered the parts and they came in. They were the wrong parts. That ever happened to anybody? Yeah. And so now it's sitting here again. So uh, we need it. You could pray for the lift. They're supposed to repair it tomorrow. We got things that need to be done around here this week. But that's why it's sitting there. Thank you for walking around the lift. It, we, we, I know it's there. I just want you to know. I know it's there. Uh, I know some, you know, there's always that guy. When is pastor going to move that? Like I can go pick that up. But, you know, I tried. I couldn't. Uh, and uh, so I know it's there. And it's, it's broken. But we will repair it. My message today is, is titled, The Residue of Thanksgiving. The Residue of Thanksgiving. I want to I define that word residue because it has a couple of meanings, meanings I'm not sure we're aware of. Now, I believe this message is exactly something you need to hear, listen closely, and do. Something you need to hear and do. How many heard what I just said? We, we, we are developing a church in America that just likes to hear. And not do. How many are with me this morning? Thank you for, man. I'm going to try again. If y'all don't act right, I'm going to talk about that football game last night. I've, I've avoided doing it. But if you don't act right, I'll go there. Okay? All right. So, okay. So, we have to understand in the church, it's not just hearing is not enough. It's doing that makes this thing happen. And so, God has a word for us. And I want us to grasp it. I, I want to present it and give us an opportunity while we're here before we leave to respond to this, okay? So the residue of Thanksgiving. Now, typically, when we think of residue, we're thinking of something that is a byproduct. It's not the goal. It's not the intent. It's just the residue. We think of it like uh, like the ashes after a fire, the residue of the fire, or, or the crumbs, uh, you know, after somebody had too much to eat for Thanksgiving, or... Uh, uh, just something left over. It's debris, the residue. Uh, it, it's an afterthought. It's random. It wasn't the plan. It wasn't what I was after. It's just the residue. Uh, like in our lift building, as the guys are working and building there, there's sawdust on the ground. Well, the sawdust wasn't the goal. It was the residue that men were there working. And that's typically how we see that. But there are two more meanings connected to the word residue. And I want you to connect that to the, to the principle of giving thanks And I want you to see what it does. Another definition of residue is the completion of a process. Now, that's intentional. The completion of a process. We're going to connect that to giving thanks in a moment. So there is a definition of residue that's not just a random byproduct, but it was the goal the the entire time. It was the goal. It is what? It is the completion of a process. But there's one more way I found that word used, and that's why I chose it the residue of Thanksgiving, because it is a legal term as well. It is the term used when someone has passed away and they had a will. And you come into this legal meeting and and the will had someone named and uh, there were heirs. They they had something that was going to be given to them, 
but the residue is what they inherit after all the bills have been paid. It's a legal term. And so what I want you to see is, I believe you and I understanding how to give thanks at appropriate times allows a process for God to be completed in my life. When I'm not willing to give thanks, when I should be giving thanks, there's a process that God wants to develop, and it's not going to happen until I step into that moment. There is an inheritance, listen to me, that has your name on it. Say, my name. There is an inheritance from God that has your name on it. And this inheritance is yours and will be yours even when all the bills are paid and all the other things are established What's left over is called the profit or what the lawyer calls the residue of your inheritance is now ready for you to take ownership of. So there's some things God wants to give you that you and I need to understand are connected to giving thanks. Not just ritual, not just days on the calendar, but, but a process, something God wants to give to you. There is an impact on your life and mine. There is a completion of a process. There is an inheritance with your name on it that will not come to you unless you understand the value of giving thanks at critical moments. How many are with me at this point right now? So I want you to see, I'm going to illustrate this from Scripture. Now, what I'm about to show you in the book of Hebrews is important because when I talk about giving thanks, I'm not just talking about some earthly, physical, normal self-help situation. I'm not talking about how to just have a positive mental attitude. Sometimes don't you get kind of weary when you're going through a hard time and things are really bad and someone just walks up to you that has no idea what you're going through. They have no idea how hard it is and they just walk up to you and just say, hey, just cheer up. Don't you have to pray for the Holy Spirit to help you at that moment not to you know, give them the back of the head slap. You want to, how many understand what I'm talking about? I mean, you're going through a crisis. Somebody says, cheer up. You know, oh, it's okay. Be positive. And you're thinking, you know, I'm holding on to the last string of the last rope of the last moment of my life. Anybody ever been there? And someone just glibly comes up and says, let's just cheer up. We're not talking about possible attitude here. I'm talking about, listen, a principle. That allows everything God ordains for you to become reality. A principle that allows heaven to come to earth. How many want to see that happen? A principle that allows God's plan to become reality. We have to understand this. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 8. I want to to show you this illustration. Hebrews 8. And beginning with verse number 1. If you're a believer. If you've been reading your Bible. If you've been studying the word of God. You know that in the Old Testament. In the Old Covenant. uh, It started when Moses fashioned a tabernacle in the wilderness. They carried along with them for those 40 years. And then Solomon built the, the, the physical, the, the you know, brick and mortar place to worship God. It was a tabernacle or a temple. And, and God gave Moses very specific illustrations and instructions to do that. I don't know if you've ever realized in reading the book of Hebrews, the Bible literally says that that tabernacle Moses built That temple that Solomon built was a pattern of a heavenly tabernacle. He, he, the, the Bible says literally, I told you how to build this based off of something happening in heaven. When you do on earth a pattern, a plan, when you do what I tell you to do on earth, it releases the reality of heaven into that moment. It connects. 
And so I want you to see this in regard to thanksgiving, into this entering into God's presence. Look at this, Hebrews 8 and verse number 1. The point of what we're saying is this. We do have such a high priest. Who is our high priest? Jesus, who sat down at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not man. So there's a place in heaven. There's a protocol in heaven. There is a place where heaven is operating that earth has a little picture of. Verse 3, every high priest, those on earth, is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so it's necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest for there are already men who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy, see that, and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses warned, was warned when he was about to build a tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Okay? But the ministry Jesus has received is superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is a mediator is superior to the old one and is foundation, founded on better promises. Simply what I want you to see, what Moses built was a copy of what was in heaven. What Moses built was, was something God had ordained in heaven. And Jesus came and wiped away the old way man did it and brought us into a new covenant with God, a better covenant. So, Pastor, what is the point that you're saying? I'm telling you there's a principle of giving thanks that allows heaven to come to earth. It allows what God is doing to come to earth. Now, that tabernacle, stay with me, that was a pattern of the heavenly one, that the one Moses built, he says here, that Jesus brought the better one to us, it had three compartments. There was the outer court, there was the holy place, and there was the holy of holies where the presence of God dwelt. And, and what he said is that is a pattern for you to see there is a protocol, there is a process for entering into the presence of God. In heaven, it happens in reality. On earth, it's just a model teaching you something. And so we understand in that Old Testament tabernacle, they brought the blood of animals and entered in by sacrifices. And he said when Jesus died on the cross, his blood was so powerful, so mighty, so good, that there were no more sacrifices needed, that it doesn't happen again and again. So we walk into the presence of God. Are you with me? Not by lambs, not by goats, not by bulls, not by pigeons, not by the blood of animals. We can come into the presence of God through the blood of Jesus every day, any day, all day long. How many are thankful we have a better covenant today? It's a better covenant today. We walk in anytime, any place. So the way we access the presence of God is by the blood of Jesus. But there is a key that opens the door, that starts the process of entering into the presence of God. And we need to understand how that operates in our life. Look at Psalms 100 and verse number 4. Psalm 100 and verse 4. Turn there with me. I want you to see this principle, then I'm going to illustrate it. Psalm 100 verse 4. You can quote this with me. Uh, You probably already know it, but I want to make sure we read this here. Psalm 100 verse 4. So heaven has a a setup, a, a process, a protocol where we enter into the presence of God through the name of Jesus. He gave us an earthly example to teach us something. Now, thinking about that access in the presence of God, What do we read in Psalm 100 verse 4? We enter what? His gates with what? See, we no longer bring an animal sacrifice. We no longer bring a a goat or a heifer or a lamb. 
the way we come now, because that old one that was a picture to teach us something has been completed by Jesus coming. So we have access. The only reason I can pray and God hears me is because of Jesus. The reason I have access is because of Jesus. But he says, when I come, when I enter in his presence, if I want to immediately go in his presence, I don't have to go back to Jerusalem and find the temple. I don't have to follow along the tabernacle in the wilderness. Because of Jesus' blood on the cross and his resurrection, any time I want to go in the presence of God, I can go into the presence of God. I can bring it into my worst moment, my best moment. I can bring it to my school, to my work, to my home, to my neighborhood, when I'm jogging, when I'm playing basketball, when, 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 whatever I'm doing. When I want to go in the presence of God, I have access because of Jesus. But there's something that he says that starts the process, that opens the door for those who have the right to go in. And what is it? Here it is. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. What opens the first door? What starts me into the presence of God when I begin to give God thanks? If I am an unthankful, ungrateful person, I have the right, listen to me, to enter the presence of God, but I don't experience it because I never enter in because I refuse to give thanks to God. You see, there are many, many Christians carrying many heavy burdens when they could have more of the presence of God. But when the devil steals your gratitude, when the devil steals your thanksgiving, when the devil takes the ability to give thanks out of your life, you have a right that you're not exercising. You have an access that you're not entering into. You have a potential, but you're not seen. Remember, I said residue. It's one thing to have my name on a will. It's another thing to take possession of that will. It's one thing to say God is doing something in my life. It's another thing for God to do something in my life. And the key that brings me in, no matter what the circumstance, if I have been saved by the blood of Jesus, then I have a key that lets me enter in at any moment. And that's the right, the ability to actually start giving thanks to God. It is the key. It is, it is this one element that begins to shift everything that's going on in our life. You see, it, 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 it's no longer going to a geographical place. It's coming in. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Let me ask you this today. What does it take for the devil to steal your things? Okay, let me ask you. What does it take for the devil to steal your things? What, what does it do? Isn't it amazing how easily we throw our thanksgiving down? Isn't it amazing how quickly we walk away from it? Isn't it amazing how ungrateful we can become? When we lose our thanks, our gratitude, our focus. You see, Satan can't uh, change the blood of Jesus. He can't, he can't stop what saved you. He, he can't lock the door that's open for you. But you have to give thanks to go in that door. And, and it can come and happen anytime you begin to choose it. Can I help you with something? Do you know that you can be thankful even when you don't feel it? Did you know that? You don't have to feel thankful to be thankful. What do you do? You just decide, you know what? I'm going to give God thanks. I'm going to give God thanks. Do you know sometimes, uh, how many, let's be honest. Come on, tell the truth. I'll join with you. How many of you ever felt like me? Have you ever had moments in your life I have where I didn't feel thankful? Have you ever had one of those moments? Now, I know some of you are more spiritual than I am, and I'm glad you're here today. Pray for me, okay? I appreciate you blessing the rest of us. We need you. You're so spiritual. We need you here. But some of us other poor rascals... 
we don't feel thankful sometimes. There's some days, you know what happens? We get our focus off of God. We get our focus on the moment. We get our focus on this situation. And we don't feel thankful. But you know what? I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit who brings the word of God to my mind. And says, you know, you need to give thanks to God. And so I can make a choice when I'm not, when I don't feel thankful, when I don't see it yet, when I don't like the moment, when I feel like it's not going the way I want it to. I always have the ability to make a choice and I can back up from that moment and say, you know what, God, I want to thank you that you're with me right now. I want to thank you that I don't have to feel you to know that you're here right now. I want to thank you for, I want to thank you for what you've done to get me this far. I want to thank you that you're faithful and your word never fails. You see, I can give thanks when I don't feel thankful. You need to learn that value in your life. It is a choice that we make. In fact, look at first, first Thessalonians 518. I, I, I love this verse. It says, uh, okay, I'm, I didn't include 16 and 17, so don't panic in the media department, but I'm going to read it anyway. Verse 16 says, be joyful always. Now, see if you got your Bible open. You didn't have to depend on the cheat sheet behind me. You, could, you have verse 16. See, notice what it says. Be joyful when? Did you hear that? Be joyful when? Always. It's a choice. And then look what he says. How often should you pray? Wow. And then look at verse 18. Give thanks when? Why? <laughs> yeah. So give thanks in all circumstances. Did it say give thanks for all circumstances? No. Listen, don't, don't, don't let somebody put that guilt trip on you. Don't let, that's, that's not word. That's not Bible. To thank God for bad things. Come on, we're, we're, <laughs> that's not who we are. That's not how we think. When something bad happens, we don't say, oh God, thank you that I have COVID. Thank you that I can't breathe and taste anything. Thank you. I mean, you need counseling. That's not prayer. That's not thanks. This is what he said. In all things, give thanks. Thank you, God, that you're greater than COVID. Thank you, God. That you're healing me. Thank you, God, that this too shall come to pass. Come on, you understand what I'm saying? Thank you, God, that I'm not on a ventilator and I can pray while I've got COVID. See, I, you know, when I, I tested positive for COVID and someone had told me a lot of people get really sick because they don't feel good and they lay down in bed and then they get pneumonia. So when, when I tested positive for, for Pastor Phyllis, she had to pray for her. She has to put up with a unique person. And I said, I'm not going to lay down and get pneumonia. And so uh, she wouldn't let me go outside. So I ran up and down the stairs in the house. She said, you're going to kill yourself. Run up down the stairs. I said, but I'm going to be moving when it happens. So, I'm, I, so I had COVID. Some people, you ever hear somebody call it the COVID? I don't know. I've got the COVID. But I don't know if I had the COVID, but I had COVID. But I also had thanks. And when I run up those stairs, God, I thank you. I can take one more step. I thank you that I'm coming down. I thank you that I'm going up. And I thank you that I'm coming down. And I thank you that it hasn't got me. I got it. I thank you, God. I'm not going to get sick. Find a place to give thanks. Find something to be thankful for. The Bible says, in all my circumstances, I'm going to give thanks. Why is that important? It's not positive mental attitude. It's not just to put a smile on your face. It's not so other people will like you. It's because the moment you choose to give thanks, 
You stepped into the gate that ushers you into the presence of God. And now the Spirit of God is with you in that moment. You're not alone. I'm in this place. I'm in the holy tabernacle of God. What he taught me with this earthly illustration is a reality of what's happening in heaven. So when I choose to give thanks, no matter what the circumstance is, I in heaven, my heavenly position, say heaven, my heavenly position is that I am strolling right up to the throne of the creator of the universe and this is what i figure if something's trying to get me the closer i get to god i would imagine if it's the devil the devil's gonna have to let go of me he's not likely to follow me into the presence of god so i'm not gonna sit over here and have a pity party i'm gonna thank my way into the throne room of heaven and if the devil wants to follow me into heaven come on in because i'm going in the presence of god you have an inheritance with your name on it. It is the, the the completion of a process. Maybe we need to begin to understand this difficult circumstance I'm in. It may not have come from God, but God is with me in it. So I'm going to learn to thank him so the process will be completed. See, some of you are staying in the... I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but you're having the same problem again and again and again and again. You know why? Because you haven't given thanks. Thanks will cause the process to be completed and you can move on to the next season in your life. It's a biblical principle in everything, in all situations. I'm going to thank God. I can find something to thank you. Look at Philippians 4 and verse 6. I'm just trying to feed you with some stuff here. Philippians 4, 6. It's a principle. There's residue. There's completion and inheritance when we exercise this principle. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6. I love how this said. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Well, what a statement. Come on. Does that challenge you? It challenges me. We can, can, uh, now that's what it says. The words, it's a command. Can I, let's just, let's just, uh, give you some help, not change it. Give some help. Why, what if we said, now God says, don't be, I agree. How many, don't be, do not be means do not be. How many with me? But I want to give you some help to get there today. What, what if I could just say to you today, you do not have to be anxious about anything. How many like that? I didn't change the word. I'm trying to help you get to the word. So let's start with, you don't have to be anxious about anything. How many are thankful for that? You don't have to be anxious. You know, some people think it's their birthright to be anxious. You ever met that person? They're going to be under stress no matter what. I'm under stress and I earned it. Leave me alone. I'm stressed out. Have you ever heard some people, that's their, that's their mantra in life. I'm stressed. I'm stressed. I'm stressed. Well, this is what the word says. You don't have to be. How many are thankful you don't have to be? Well, well, but, but again, why? He, there's an answer here. Here's the anecdote. Do not be anxious about anything. But, so what do I do? But that means in the place of where you normally would go to stress city, in place of that ticket, what do you do? And everything by prayer petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. See, let, let's look at this thing again. Thanksgiving gives me access into the presence of God. I can try to pray way over here wrapped up in this doom, gloom, and stress. Okay? It's, you, you don't have to stay there. People get stressed. Don't say, I shouldn't be stressed. I'm sorry I'm stressed. Just start praying. Giving thanks. Walking in the presence of God. 
drawing closer to God. God, I thank you. I'm coming through this. I thank you that you're with me. I thank you. And you know, as I pray with thanksgiving, it causes the peace of God to begin to radiate in my life. God begins to work. God begins to move. It, it, it reminds, sometimes you just have to remember something God has done. Anybody ever done that? You just remember what he's done. Has God been good to anybody in this place? Has God been good to anyone? Yeah. You know, so I begin to thank you for what he's already got. God, I thank you, God. <clears throat> I thank you, Lord. I remember what you did. I called to attention. You know, what is Psalm, Psalm 103 says, what bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Forget not all of his benefits. Sometimes you just need to sit down and remember the benefits of God, the blessing of God. Do you know that thanksgiving and faith feed each other? Thanksgiving and faith feed each other. When you begin to give thanksgiving, a residue begins to come on your life. A process begins to be completed. An inheritance begins to come on your life. They happen. We be, it changes my focus. It, it changes what I see when I begin to give thanks. It moves my eyes off what I don't have and begins to remind me what I do have. It reminds me of who he is and what he's done and what he's promising. I get my mind and my heart and my spirit off of the natural things and I begin to see the spiritual things. How many are thankful for that? All right, look, go to Psalm 63. We're going to see David's example quickly and then we're going to do this today. We're going to do it. I'm excited. Psalm 63. How many found Psalm 63? Let's look at this Psalm. Now, Pastor Phyllis shared a devotion with me right as I'm studying this and and I loved it. And, and, And Psalm 63 is part of it. It's just exactly where I was studying. So, so, so look at this. I want you to see this. Psalm 63. Do you know what they titled this psalm? If you look in theological writings and commentaries, this is what they call this psalm. This, this, this is the, the thanks that comes in the wilderness. Giving thanks in the wilderness. So we're looking at this thing. This, this giving thanks, this residue of thanksgiving draws us into the presence of God. Brings us into a closeness with God. And I want you to see David. Here's David in Psalm 63. This, this is giving thanks in the wilderness. The setting of Psalm 63. I don't know where you are today. But I believe this is for someone in this room today. I believe it's for somebody online today. Here's, here's what we find out. David wrote this psalm while he was hiding in the Judean desert as a fugitive from King Saul. Listen to me. David had done nothing wrong. Are you with me? Saul was unjust to pursue him. Saul was wrong to pursue him. Are you hearing me? There are going to be moments in your life that there are situations that happen. They are not your fault. How many heard what I said? They are not your fault. David had done nothing wrong. David had served God and served Saul. David had been faithful servant, a faithful man of worship, a faithful warrior in Saul's army. But because Saul was jealous and had turned his back on God and the Holy Spirit had left his life, he now became envious. He was driven by demons. David was in a position that was not his fault. Does somebody hear what I'm saying today? But you, that's a hard place to be in. And what the devil wants you to do is focus and talk and think and dwell on the fact I shouldn't be in this place. It's not fair. It's happening. It's not right. This is happening. And, and those things are true. But if I focus everything on that, if that becomes my identity, if that becomes my thought process, if that becomes where I dwell, I'm going to stay in that place. 
David was in a bad place. Are you connecting with me? Do you? Does it resonate? It was unjust. It was unfair. It was wrong. It wasn't his fault. So what is he going to do? What is he going to do? Psalm 63 verse 1. I, I, I love this. This is the whole reason the rest of the psalm has any application to your life and mine. David says, oh God. One term from God. El, Elohim. Oh God. Oh God. See, but then he says what? You are my God. That makes all the difference. Oh God is a declaration. Everybody in the world almost believes there is a God. But when you can say that God's my God. Now we're at a different level right now. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, now we're somewhere else. David said the God that created the universe, he's my God. The God that is above every God, that's my God. So he talks about relationship. So listen to me. You can be in relationship with God and still find yourself in a desert. You can be in a relationship with God and still find yourself in a hard place. But the important thing is God's with you in that desert. God's with you in that moment. God is with you in that situation. David said, oh God, you're my God. You're my God. I'm going to serve you. Now watch. Look what he said. He says, earnestly I seek you. One translation I love this says, early I seek you. Now you got to make your decision here. This is what I got out of the devotion pastor Phyllis gave to me. The question was asked, are you going to have a David thanks, a David praise, or a Jonah praise? What does that mean? David got with God early in the process. He said, God, I'm in a desert, but I'm going to thank you for being my God. God, I'm in a tough spot, and I don't belong here, and this isn't my destiny, but I'm going to thank you on the front end, knowing you're going to bring me through. Come on. How many understand that kind of thanks and pray? But then there's the Jonah Christians. They don't pray to the end of things. They wait till they get not just in a storm, not just thrown off the boat. They got to get swallowed by a whale. And stay in his belly three days before they decide they're going to pray. Come on. See, there's a David thanks God early. Thank you. I'm going to thank him early in my trouble. How many hear what I'm talking about? The day it knocks on my door. God, I want to thank you. It's going away. God, I want to thank you. Got away. Or you can do your thing. I'm in a storm, God. They threw me in the water, God. The well swallowed me, God. And sit there like old sitting bull for three days in the belly of a whale. Why me, God? It's not fair, God. You don't know where I am, God. You don't answer my prayer, God, because you don't pray. You don't. Huh? How long does it take for somebody to start praying? How long are you going to wait before you start thinking? That rascal waited to the end. David did it in the beginning. I would advise Psalm 63. Oh, God, you are my God. Early I seek you. Someone say, early I seek you. Look at that. He's in a desert, but what did he recognize? My soul thirsts for you. I'm thirsty. There's something more than my physical thirst. My soul longs for you, God. I, I, I want you. Then, then look at this. I love this. He says, uh, uh, I have, verse 2, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power 
and your glory. In other words, he said, I know what it's like to be at church on Sunday and see the glory of God. Come on. Anybody with me? Oh, I love it when the church is praising and everybody's worshiping. I've seen your glory. But this is what David said. I've seen you when we're gathered, but you're just as much my God when I'm by myself out here in the desert with the king trying to track me down and no place to get any water. I just want you to know you're my God. You're my God on Sunday and you're my God on Monday. You're my God when everybody's for me. You're my God when everybody's against me. I don't have to have the building, the people, the sir, the work. Worship the team, the everybody. I want you to know, God, I'm in a desert, but you're much as God today as you ever were in my life. Anybody got Thanksgiving like that in their life? I want to thank you that you're God in every situation. Oh, come on. I got to hurry. Look at verse, these next verses. Because your love is better than life. What happens? He says, I what my lips will glorify you. Verse four, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will Lift up my hand. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With, look, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Do you know that that giving thanks and praise transforms the entire atmosphere? He was in a desert, but he got into a place where he said, my life is rich and good and blessed and favorable because I'm in the presence of God. But I, I want you to notice something, and I don't have time to, to really dwell on this, but there's some things you need to see. Let, let, let me back up and let's look at verse 3. He said, because your love is better than life, my lift. If you're not willing to speak your thanks, you're, you're not thankful enough. You see, we need to stop moving back. We need to get ourselves in a place where when I'm thankful, somebody knows I'm thankful. Do you hear what I'm saying? Somebody heard you say I'm thankful. Somebody, it's not, don't, we're, listen, we're Christians. We're not, we're, we're not into transcendental meditation. We're into verbal praise to the living God. How many heard what I said? Come on. Somebody, if you say, well, I'm just a quiet praiser. Well, you, you, you know, mm-mm-mm. well, you need to get a loud praiser is what you need to get. You need to open up your mouth and begin to thank God. How many heard what I'm saying? Why would I not speak his name out loud? Why would my lips not give thanks to God? Am I intimidated with what someone will hear or say or think about me? I'm going to tell you when I'm in a desert and an ungodly king's trying to track me down and my life is at stake, I'm going to open my mouth. I'm going to say out loud, God, I want to thank you right now. I was praying and, and I, I won't go through the details. Somebody called me yesterday and there was a crisis in their work and somebody was gravely injured and I went to the hospital to meet them and pray with them and he said pastor when this accident happened on the job site he said the ambulance was there and the police were there and he said it was intimidating but I told him I'm sorry but I got to get on my knees right now and I'm going to put my hands on this man and I'm going to pray for him you just got to give me a minute I'm going to call on God you see there comes a time when we need to stop being ashamed of giving thanks to God and your lips need to say it out loud we need to start saying what we're thinking we need to start declaring what's truth in my life he said my lips are going to declare your praise then he says and i'm going to raise my hands there's some of you you had never raised your hands to god the last time you raised your hands when you got arrested you raise them for the cops and you won't raise them for the king. Come on, somebody help me out on this thing. You say, well, well, I, I'm just, I'm just not a hand raiser. 
Well, I wasn't either when I first met him until I realized his word said, do it. Listen, I'm so thankful for what he did for me. I hope he doesn't tell me to do this. But if he does, I'll stand on my head if that's what he wants me to do. You may not like it, but I don't care. If that's what he tells me to do, I'll do handstand praise. Come on. I can do this. Well, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. I look around and... Now, if you don't know him, you got nothing to praise. I understand. If your life hadn't been changed, keep those hands in that pocket. If, and I'm not asking you to come dance around or anything. But I'm just saying every once in a while. Come on, bless your soul. Bless your heart. You may just want to say, I love him. I'm thankful. You say, Pastor, that's intimidating me. Good. No, it's intimidating to your flesh. Your flesh needs to die. Come on. I, listen, don't, don't shout me down because I'm teaching the word. You say, well, I'm, I'm just not demonstrative. Well, you would be if you want a million dollars. Come on. I'm just going to go there. Try not to. There's a bunch of Alabama folks. You thought, you thought the rapture, the second coming, and the lottery all happened last night on 30, on first to go from 31. Tell the truth. And some of you Auburn fans, if he would have dropped it, you'd have been, you'd have been just as happy. Tell the truth. You'd have been just happy. Had he dropped it, you would have had a runaway at your house. Come on, tell the truth. You would have scared the kids and your wife and everybody else. He dropped it. And those of you, he caught it. Yes, yes. Listen, he's been good to me. And the word says I can raise my hand. I can open my mouth. I'm not ashamed to give praise to my God. I'm not afraid to do it. Listen, I got to go on. We got, we got to wind this up. Come on. We got to go on. Said, pastor, is that important? I feel it's very important. I really do. I really do. Why? Because the word says to. Because what happened when I first got saved and, and, and these, and I went into this Bible study, I've been saved a couple of weeks and I looked around and there's all these young men in this college dorm praising God. Worship team, come on and join me. And they, and I want you to come. And, and, and I looked around and I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I did that in children's church. You know, there's these, you know, back in those early days, just kind of that Jesus revolution time and, you know, stuff. And, and they were doing, even had hand motions. I'm like, uh-uh. His banner, remember that song? Over me is love. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that. But look at this. I'm not five years old. Seeing a bunch of college guys, his banner, over me is love. Then I've been feasting at the banqueting table. I'm like, no. Hey, no, not, not this guy. And then the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. He said, so why not? I said, well, because I'm not. Well, why not? Because I don't want to. Well, why not? Because it's embarrassing. Would you do it for me? I was like, oh. So there I was, red-faced, embarrassed. You understand what I'm saying? Took me a while. I didn't feel blessed the first time I did it. I'm not going to ask you to do it. But I'll tell you what happened. Something had to die in that proud young man that said, There's probably something you know I don't know. There's probably something I need to do that I don't understand yet. But I trust you enough 
if that's what your word says, I won't give it a shot. And you know what happened? I began to know how to worship God. I began to relax because I found out worship's not about me. If I'm comfortable, what I look like, what I sound like, what you think about me. Worship's about, did I tell you I love you enough? Did I tell you that there's no one like you? That I'll serve you for the rest of my life. If you bled and died for me on the cross, what else can I do? What else can I say? I love you, Jesus. I'm thankful, Jesus. Here's my hands, Jesus. Here are my words, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. It changed my life. And it was very uncomfortable in the beginning. But you know what happened? I can tell you there have been a lot of times in my life where I've been in a desert. And what I learned, something I learned when I wrestled with God early on. I didn't feel like it then, and now I don't feel like it for other reasons, just because it's hard. But this is what I do. I'm going to give thanks even when I don't feel thankful. I'm going to open my mouth and say it when I'd even know how to feel it. And then finally, look what he did. Look at this. (laughs) Verse 6. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Doesn't that sound spiritual? That's, you, you're missing. You know what he said? I can't go to sleep. <laughs> he said, I'm so worried about that guy catching me, I can't sleep at night. You ever had those kind of nights? Can't go to sleep. So much worry, so much fear, so much stress, so much anxiety. But David said, but when I can't go to sleep, see what he's saying? He said, I just thank you that you're God in my life. When, I, when what's supposed to happen tomorrow has kept me up tonight, I'm just going to give you thanks. And you know what happens when you do that? Look at the rest of this. Look at the rest of this. Verse 9. They who seek my life will be destroyed. How did that happen after the thanksgiving? Your enemies begin to be defeated. You know why? Because they can't walk with you into the throne room of heaven. When I give thanks to God, my, my crowd changes. Are you with me? My enemies have to stop at the doorstep. Why do I stay outside with them when I can go inside without them? Is anybody tracking this thing with me? See, I can stay outside with my fears and depression, my enemies and my doubts and and my unwillingness to give him thanks. Or I can say, I don't care who sees me, who knows me, who wants me. God, I thank you and I'm walking into the throne room of God. I bless you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I worship you. You're my God. You're my redeemer. And I look around and those that were following me are way out there on that door. And I traded my enemies for the angels. I traded my doubt for my faith. I traded my fear for my joy. Why? Just because I said I'm going to thank you. If I don't have a reason right now, I'm going to thank you for what you've already done. I'm going to thank you for what you're about to do. I'm going to change my atmosphere. I'm going to walk into a place that I have access to because of the blood of Jesus. Thank you for listening today. We hope you found this message uplifting and encouraging. If you're looking to connect in person, we gather every Sunday at 10 a.m. You can also find us online at calvaryassembly.org. And don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, for more content, updates, and to stay connected with our community.